AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. I have a couple of sayings about security. One is in threat analysis, there's really very little revolution. It's oftentimes evolution. You see incremental changes over time. So, so long as you're tracking the threats and the activities are taking place, you're probably not gonna get too many surprises. There might be one or two here and there, but for the most part, you know, new technical evolutions in, in the threats and the attack activities are really incremental steps. All right, Stan, so we talk a lot about IoT-based malware on these yes. embedded devices, and there's a story that came out. We've talked about Hajime a little bit, and this is a story specifically about Mirai and Hajime, and uh, I was wondering if you could tee it up for us, maybe, talk about well, it. Well, it's a little bit old. It's about a month or so old, uh, but I thought it was interesting, because it's comparing, like you said, Mirai and Hajime. It's an article at ThreatPost, mm -hmm. and uh, basically, uh, they're just doing a comparison about like this big IoT battle that's coming, yeah. where Mirai is trying to take over devices, uh, Hajime is trying to take over devices, and the way it works, if you restart the device, then the virus gets lost. And so they think, they see this epic battle happening eventually, where they try to one-up each other. You have this kind of situation where you have different families of malware vying for ownership of these devices. It's the usual problem with IoT devices. They're so vulnerable, they're in such a vulnerable state out there. And I think a lot of people who own these devices, they don't really know that, hey, this device could even have a problem. And then they actually discuss some things about, like, you know, the good and bad of potentially doing uh, the Hajime capability. So let me talk about what that means. You know, uh, Mirai, everybody knows, because it's responsible for DDoS attacks. So that's the capability of Mirai. And then uh, Hajime doesn't seem to have a capability. The only thing that has been reported is that it displays this message on the screen that, hey, I'm a white hat and I'm just doing my thing, trying to take care of the internet or something like that. Anybody who goes into somebody else's device without permission, it's technically not legal. So while their intent may be, you know, have good intentions, it's technically not the best way to do it. So the idea is, is there's all these IoT devices with 23 open, right, port 23, and there's like a grab for them. The good guy gets, the Hajime good guy gets it, tries to sort of lock it down, or Mirai gets it and tries to use it for DDoSs, right? I mean, that's kind yep. of the, the struggle. But it's not just those two, because okay. Stan and I know there's several other, maybe smaller, some are pretty larger botnets that are using different families of malware LuaBot is one yep, that we know right. about. There's some other families of malware out yep. there as well that all vie for it. And when the, the device gets rebooted, now it's somebody else's turn right. to get in there. And it's like a race to see who can get it first. Yeah. One thing we did notice with LuaBot, it does have, uh, it's separate from the story, but it does have that Mirai killing capability as well. Right. Uh, it can uh, which, override it? Uh, it tries to like close down the process and things like that. And then it tries to patch the vulnerability that it came in on so nobody else can take the device over and things like that. Right. So that's Luobot. But like John said, there's so many of these things right, now, right. and they're all fighting for these resources, and they're all trying to take the other offline. It's really a new world, you know. There's hundreds of thousands of these IoT devices or more. You know, now we're seeing a, a, almost a competition of these botnets in the same space that it's kind of whoever gets to them first. The, the other thing is, is we've seen 
this type of thing before, right? So we talked yeah. about many years ago, the Karna botnet yes. that was composed of DVRs, the, these DVR type systems, which, uh, which are not exactly the same as these, because a lot of these IoT devices are more like routers. I guess they're still doing it. Hajime might, might be uh, taking over some of the other types of devices as well. Uh, but there, anyway, so there's Karna and Reincarna was like another respin of Karna, both supposedly doing a similar kind of thing of this good guy trying to lock right. down the device before somebody else bad or worse gets in there. Well, were those peer-to-peer -to -peer too? Because I think it's said Hajime is using peer-to-peer -peer where uh, Mirai uses you know regular central command and right. control. Right, uses a centralized command and control for Mirai. So right, Hajime uses peer-to-peer. Karna and Reincarna did, I believe, right? Uh, they were, yeah, both. Both peer-to-peer, -peer, which is kind of, that's more of an advanced type of strategy for command and control, a little bit more difficult to um, implement from a code perspective. But uh, another interesting aspect of it is once the device is compromised, it does open a port on the device that's, I guess, somewhat randomized. It's not always the same port. And if you know what that port is and you connect to it, it'll actually deliver you a copy of the malware. So, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, it's uh, using part of the, its... the peering network there to basically distribute the malware. Right. So the distribution is also dis distributed. Distributed, <laughs> right. That's uh, interesting uh, family of malware. But again, I don't consider it the right. I mean, the problem is, is there's no really good strategy. We've talked about this a yeah. lot over the past couple of years. The right thing to do is for people to take action and secure their own devices make sure they're patched, make sure they don't have default passwords and all that stuff. But it's kind of hard to tell a million different people to do that, and you're never going to be able right. to do that. I, so. I think also people don't really know that they have this problem. Right. You know, like you and they might not know whether they should even care. Like yeah. Some people just don't even realize that, that what impact this might have to them, right. ultimately. Exactly. And so I think that's where the problem comes in. That's why some of these white hats are probably deciding to take you know, things into their own hands. It's just crazy that there's so many of these IoT devices out there that now we're seeing sort of a, a, a battle scene of who can get a hold of them first. It's, yeah. it's definitely I the think it all started with the Karna. Really, the guy opened up his research and he put out his findings out there. So it allowed everybody else to kind of say, oh, well, yeah, this is a problem. And maybe I should do something. And some people said, I'm going to monetize this in a negative way. And some people are now trying to respond to that. Right. Something I wouldn't do, but... Uh. Interesting story. I guess we'll just keep on track of this trend. Uh, I don't see it abating anytime soon, so yeah. uh, it's just probably going to get crazier. It's definitely a situation that I don't think very many people would have predicted a few years ago. So the folks at Gardacore put out a post about um, a botnet called BondNet. It's basically a James Bond motif uh, botnet out there. Very internet thing where it's, it's BondNet. You know, it's 007 is within the command and control, so you know, we're always seeing new kind of quirky things with these botnets, and this is one that's, it's the James Bond of botnets. So all of these devices, they're being used to, you know, they're being taken over uh, for uh, mining digital currency. So I think Monero is the one that was mentioned here. It's getting at um, over 15,000 machines. It's, it's almost like a blast from the past because it's servers, it's Windows, it's not another one of these IoT yeah, we device. talk so much about IoT-based yeah. botnets lately, it's kind of refreshing yeah. to see a Windows-based yeah. but Not to say that I want to see more Windows-based right. botnets, but, you know. It's interesting you mentioned the servers and things like that. Do we know how it's spreading? 
Yeah, so it's it's using a few different vulnerabilities. Um, primarily, um, my PHP admin port. Is that ah, so if the server's yeah. got the PHP my admin. But open. then that was the initial vector. But then you know, as it's evolved, it's now uh, got a number of different vectors. So they have a chart here where it's primarily a lot of it's going over MySQL. It's got uses JBoss vulnerabilities, Tomcat. So it's it's using a Elastic number of different search. Yeah, yeah. So a it's, bunch of server, a bunch of SQL Server type things, but also some uh, you know web front end engine things like JBoss and Tomcat, WebLogic. Right, but it is pretty struts. well struts. Yeah, struts too. So there was that exploit. I'm yeah. sure we covered on the story on the yeah. show. About struts, so that's another interesting one. It, it's interesting because it doesn't have to be, you know, with some of those vulnerabilities, they would run on a Linux system. It sounds like whoever this is that wrote it, though, is familiar with Windows. Right. So right. They created the virus or the botnet for that. Okay. Yeah, I wonder what happens when they hit a JBoss or Tomcat server under Linux if they just say, eh. Not, not, not interested. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or perhaps there's another version of this that's, you know, for those other operating systems. Maybe maybe something to look into. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, interesting write-up. They actually even publish a detection and cleanup tool. They publish some indicators of compromise that you can use. Uh, there's even this pretty useful flow chart that shows um, how the hackers do recon and then, then push out the exploit and then download malware and then end up, you know, through the victim starting to mine uh, this currency. is a really, I was really impressed with this write-up. I thought it was really well organized and uh, researched pretty thoroughly. Um, especially they give you a lot of indicators to follow up on with command and controls, attacker IPs, things of that nature. So it could help any researchers out there that want to follow or track this botnet um, have some ability to do so. So, um, or even to defend against it uh, for right. the general purpose person. So, uh, really interesting write-up. Yeah, one thing I noticed you mentioned is a blast from the past. Yeah. And just all these vulnerabilities make me think of maybe like 15, 20 years ago, where a lot of spreading of, of malware was by exploiting servers and vulnerabilities in them. And then over some period of time, you know, people started putting better firewalls in place. And so these vulnerabilities started kind of disappearing. And then the next way to infect machines was by impacting, you know, uh, that phishing came up as a big threat, right? Right, right. Because you were like, oh, let's get on the laptop. And that's how a lot of people were getting infected. But it sounds like we're going back to that time, even with the IoT devices, where you're just like scanning and infecting devices. And using any vector you can find. You know, yeah. rather than used to be, you know, I have one vulnerability, one attack vector, I use that. Now it's, I can, you know, do my recon and then push out against you know, dozens right. of multiple vectors. types of yeah. uh, exploit vectors, right? Right. So it'll be interesting also to see if they switch off of doing just uh, cryptocurrency mining to do more things with it. But it also is interesting that they're using Windows machines for mining because they're probably more powerful, right? right? So you'd be able to get more bang for your buck than you would with these embedded IoT devices, which are pretty low powered. Yeah. Devices. Yeah. Have good patching processes. If you're using web hosting providers, make sure that they have good patching processes. So a lot of these are cloud computing devices. I would suspect that um, depending on who your cloud provider is, they may or may not apply patches to your device for you, uh, especially if you're installing additional software on the top beyond what they install in their base installation. So you got to pay attention to what's running on your system. 
It's kind of a flashback to the past. Um, you know, traditional exploits, going after traditional type operating systems and trying to build a sort of a traditional botnet. We did cover a story a few weeks back about this increase on 81 TCP scanning, which looked like it came from a bunch of IoT bots. And now, hindsight, we can kind of tell some other researchers have discovered there is another botnet family of malware out there. All right, let's take a look at the internet weather for the week. And actually, this was, uh, normally we don't have a whole lot of different things to talk mm -hmm. about. This one was a little bit interesting because there is some, uh, some changes in some things, notably with uh, a particular botnet. Um, that uh, is reactivated, so we'll so, talk about it a little bit. Change is good for the program, but not change necessarily good, yes. good for tracking Yeah, threats. it's good, good for us <laughs> to have something to talk about, but not good for the internet in general. Um, in any event, let's just take a quick look here. The, the most pro ports, this is where we see most of the scanning activity, not mm -hmm. based on how many devices are scanning, but just sheer volume of traffic. No surprises here, Tw Telnet, 23TCP, SSH, this 7547 is that CPE WAN management protocol, mm -hmm. mostly associated with Mirai bots scanning for that. And then FTP. One of the things about FTP, it has been kind of flopping in and up on the, the top 10. It's right. kind of sunk down into the 20 and then into the 10 week to week. And um, there is something that Stan and I had been looking at. There's a botnet that's going around and it's looking for FTP servers that have anonymous mm -hmm. uh, access open and they, they're putting malware up there. I'm dating myself because it, it's, you know, before things like Box and, right. you know, tools where you had a place to drop files, people right. would put an anonymous FTP server out there and the next thing you know, you know, somebody discovers it's there and your files are showing up in some other place or, right. so, it, you know, perhaps a sort of an old school mindset, but I think there are still things like that going on out there. Right, no. there are, and there is a particular actor, like I said, that's a little interesting what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll save that for maybe the next show. And that's recent, right? That that FTP-based botnet's recent activity, or has it been going on That for a is. While? I can't say it's all attributed. All of this that we're seeing here is attributed to that one actor. Okay. But it is somebody who's using mm -hmm. and scanning for a lot of mm -hmm. uh, FTP servers. So this is the most sources probing, which is usually indicative of some kind of botnet activity because you got a lot of sources at once doing it. Mm -hmm. The things I would point out here is 445 TCP jumped up a little, little bit. The other interesting ones, which I didn't highlight, 81 TCP. But we're going to take a closer look at that and 82 TCP went up 182 spots, mm -hmm. which is obviously a big change. Yeah. So we're going to take a closer look at that in a chart here and what that's all about. Well, you and I were on doing the weather a few weeks ago when we first started to see that 81. Yes. So it'll be and interesting And we to have see. some more answers since that time. That was probably right. like three weeks or yeah. so ago, I think. Um, and we weren't quite sure because it just started at that point. Right. But now we have a little bit more information. Cool. A few weeks ago when I was on, we, we found a new uh, scan probe on port 81 TCP. We had sort of assumed that something was going to come out. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, here we are. So this is kind of a real kind of busy chart, but I wanted to get all this together. So when we had first looked at this on the program, it was probably like right around here. Yeah. And so maybe so back in April. Yeah, it was back in yeah. April, yeah. like late April. Yeah. And uh, we weren't really sure what it was, but we knew we could tell that it was a lot of IoT devices. A lot of them had a web server running on port 81 as well. Mm. So we we're figuring that's probably what they're exploiting. And lo and behold, that's really what was happening. I think it's important to kind of point out that it's really hard to 
see activity and then really make an immediate connection to really what the cause is. On one hand, it's really good to see the indicators, have the opportunity to go in and find out more about it, maybe trigger some activity in the industry, but it really takes a little bit more than just analyzing activity on the network to be able to understand exactly what's going on. So there's a family of malware that some other people research, and I have a, another page on it in a few moments, uh, a pretty good write-up that someone did. Uh, it's called Perseri, which is kind of a twist on the word Mirai mm -hmm. and Persian. So it's Persian Mirai right. because they're actually using command and controls that end in .ir uh, for Iran. You know, they were able to determine that that's what this botnet is. It's exploiting a vulnerability in a family of IP cameras that listen on port 81, and they're able to leverage an exploit there. I think you were looking at yeah, they're bit. they're they're kind of taking advantage of the universal plug and play port, so they can use the vulnerability on the UPnP and then use that to go out and get the malware and start right, to controlling tell, to the, open a port or to tell exactly, the device yep. to go get it. Okay. So, so somewhere right around the 26th of April, all this activity like just ceased all the scanning mm -hmm. activity. And we did notice that these command and controls were parked to these IP addresses. Now, I didn't know at the time if this was like some researcher or some mm -hmm. good guy said, let's sinkhole these things to some place, or if it was the bad guy. Now I'm starting to think it's probably the bad guy just temporarily parked his yes. domains. And that's what he did. He parked it to these 10 dot addresses Lay for a period of time. Yeah, it's just out of curiosity. Is there something that drew attention back here that they would have been motivated to kind of... I did not try to align when the stories came out. We actually, it might Virtual. be on the... Yeah, that's right. They saw the show and they got all panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Um, it might be some other people that published some yeah. articles because there are some good articles out there and maybe they said, well, let's lay low for a, mi a little bit before yeah. we start up again. And we, this is not particularly unusual for somebody to do that. We've seen botnets. Yes, uh, it was actually a very, normal. Uh, very frequent occurrence in the past. And when I say in the past, I'm talking about you know IRC botnets right. and you know Seven activity well so prior to the uh, IoT botnets that we're you know observing today. It was mostly Windows machines back then, right. before automatic updates and things like that. So right, yeah. So they did, and we have pretty good precision on this with our passive DNS. Mm -hmm. So we could see like literally the same hour that they reactivated a new IP address, boom, all the scanning activity started up again. Um, it did trickle off, and then they switched to a new IP, and this is where it currently is, that 123.58.5.179 IP. Mm -hmm. Still the same domain names, so it's not anything um, otherwise, you know, from a C2 perspective new. The thing that is interesting that's shown on here is this is a mixed chart of both 81 and 82 TCP scanning, and you'll see that the blue on the 15th there, 14th it looks like, May 14th, mm -hmm. They started scanning 82 TCP, and that's why it jumped up so high as it they did switched. here. Yeah. And they literally like switched midstream back to 81. And you can actually see yeah. like literally all the bots stopped and started doing mm -hmm. the other port. So um, when I actually collected all these um, IPs together, and then I check against our reconnaissance index, which kind of shows you this IP, what ports is it scanning? They are scanning 81, 82, 23, and 7547, which yeah. is interesting because in addition to the 81 and 82, they're scanning the two same two ports that Mirai right. is kind of notorious for scanning. So it's mm -hmm. a little interesting. So it shows you it's sort of a variant of Mirai. They're probably using some of the same. They, you know, the researchers seem to think that there's enough of a change in the code base there that makes it 
not the same author, mm. but um, I don't really, I haven't analyzed it myself, to be honest with you. Okay. So the, the, the port 82, do you have an idea what they're going know after there? Maybe it was a mistake or just checking something? I'm not sure, to be honest okay. with you. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to research it thoroughly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess there's probably some other devices of a similar nature listening on that port. There's a possibility that, you know, uh, some applications, they'll see if port, a particular port's available, and if it's not available, they'll go to the next port. We saw that with uh, VNC, for example, does mm -hmm. that. Right. And so it's, there's a possibility that this application, you know, it says, oh, well, if port 81's not available to me, I'll yeah, offer might this be... up on port 82 or something right. like that. Is that part of universal plug and play? It might have something um, along those lines. I don't remember seeing it in the, okay. the stuff that I saw but. but anyway that's just a theory that might okay yeah i mean it's still is still more probably study that needs to be done on this but mm -hmm. uh, i thought it was interesting it's definitely looking at the scan source the same botnet scanning these two ports mm -hmm. in addition to the some of the telemetry. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that timing there right it's at least very strong circumstantial evidence right <laughs> yeah. right but when you have the same addresses doing it as yes well, yeah it's I, I checked those all out <laughs> this is the actual write-up so i think it's uh the NetLab 360 blog or 360 NetLab mm -hmm. blog. They actually, uh, I don't know much about them, but they did a really good write-up on this, so I'd reference people to take a look at it. It's very mm -hmm. thorough, goes into a lot of detail uh, about uh, this family of malware. It's a little bit older, so they did it on the 24th is when this was released. So yeah, the 24th would have yeah. been kind of right in this spot here, and then mm -hmm. two days later is when it went, it went away mm -hmm. temporarily. So I don't know if there's any uh, is there any correlation guess, necessarily with that? But thought it was interesting. So I would recommend everybody. Hey, read. somebody found your botnet. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It appears that in that particular case, that information got into the public domain about the botnet. Uh, it looked like the operator didn't want that attention. Kind of shut it off for a while. Laid low. We've seen that kind of activity in the past. In fact, it used to be quite common where botnets would get discovered. The operator would lay low, maybe move their resources over to a different botnet so it wouldn't show up so much. And, uh, you know, eventually you'd see that botnet come back to life and do some things. And that's exactly what showed up this past week. This guy, uh, the 360 Network Security Research Lab, they were calling it the 81 TCP botnet. But I think another organization came out with Perserai, which has probably caught, caught on a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, it has a little bit more of a... Uh, stands out a little yeah, better. Yeah, stands out a little bit better. I thought this was interesting. We're talking about the overlap of the scan sources. So this is a picture of the scan sources on 82 TCP and actually overlaid the 81 TCP. There is an interesting thing that we could toggle between the two. As you'll see over here in Asia, there mm -hmm. are 81 TCPs scanning, but not in 82 TCP. Hmm. So I thought that was a little interesting that you could toggle it. And there's a little bit of variation in Europe. But when you look at the U.S. and South America, it's almost exactly the same. It's pretty good. There's not, um, there's not a lot of change. I thought that was an interesting kind of flip chart there, that you could see that the populations were pretty roughly the same. Mm -hmm. um, and in my analysis, it showed that it's the exact same IPs in large part, mm -hmm. um, except for some of these little small groupings in other countries, which I, I can't explain. Yeah, it, you know, just as a sort of a side note here, that kind of analysis, I'm not sure to what extent it's actually been done, but saying, you know, looking at what addresses are doing and relating it to other activity that we see and, you know, sort of doing a correlation analysis that would be a, kind of a cool thing to automate and see, you know, you picked up on this one because you were looking at it, but. Right. There Some other activities are a little harder to find the correlation. 
right. without uh, having some automation behind it. So. Right. Well, and those scan probes kind of make these things jump out at us, right? That we see. The events stick out, but yeah. the correlation between the events is a little, you have to, <laughs> you have to have a way to find that. Right, <laughs> right, right. I think that might be, yeah, that's the, that's the end of the weather for this okay. week. But I thought it was a little interesting, Definitely. some of the stuff with the Perseri there, that we had some visibility into the starting and stopping of that activity mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the overlap sort of between the two ports. The mm -hmm. circle of it, circle of life. Right, yeah. the circle of life of botnets. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back in time, you know, if you don't remember your history, it, it's inevitable it's going to repeat. <laughs> You're going to end up repeating it. And uh, it, it's true on the Internet as well. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.